Okay, I'm about to tell you a very true story. I swear. What? I called Mike in because I wanted to show him <laughs> I, when I was watching this because I wanted to show him something in the documentary. And he goes, wait, uh-huh. that looks just like, hold on a second. Runs out of the office, goes into the kitchen and brings a Collins Street Bakery tin. He was like, <gasps> I just bought that fruitcake today. Wait, what? How did he know about this? He did it. And then I learned later that it's like the only fruitcake there is and it's not that crazy. <laughs> hey, Mike, I'm a fruitcake right over here. I got your fruitcake ready at Ballet. Hi, Julia Benzavali. Hi, Patrick Hines. I tasted their fruitcake today. I will get into it when we get there. But I've been, like, eating their fruitcake today. Oh, my God. Uh, you guys, if you want more Julian and me, more more shenanigans and stories like this, join us on the Patreon. Over 300 ad-free, full bonus episodes to download a binge right this second. Give them, throw out a couple titles. What can they find there, girl? Well, first of all, it's every episode we do on the regular feed. You get that ad-free. Then on yes. top of it, you get things like Don't F With Cats and The Vow and Night Stalker and Heist and Gacy, that Peacock thing. So you get, like, a whole bonus series too. Breaking news, we're going to record our first episode of Lula Rich right after this. I think you and I might come down on opposite sides. Stop Look, it. I'm telling you, there's a multi-level marketing woman in me somewhere who wants to quit this job and go sell leggings. Bye. Lose my number while you're at it. Hey. Uh, I'm not going to buy your stupid ugly leggings. I'm not buying and don't, don't say the term <laughs> girl boss. We'll get to it. How dare you. You guys also join our Facebook group, True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group on the Facebook. Almost 45,000 people in there finding their true crime best friends, hanging out, talking about the episodes, doing watch parties. That's a new thing that Sasha, our Facebook group community manager, does. Watch Watch parties. I popped into one last night and said hello. Yeah, so it's when the episode drops, then people are also watching the documentary that we discussed. It's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Also, follow us on Instagram, True Crime Obsessed Podcast. We do crazy stories. I don't know. You never know what you're going to get over there on the Instagram. It's pretty fun. Anything else from you this week, girl? <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, like how much do you relate to the fruitcake? I am the fruitcake. And I'm going to wring every ounce of fun out of that joke I can for this entire episode. I just set it up and you just knock them down. That's what it is. <laughs> Welcome, Fruitcake, to the Fruitcake Doc. All right, girl, tell them what we're talking about today. I mean, if you haven't guessed, we're talking about fruitcake fraud on Discovery+. Plus. I got to tell you, Discovery Plus gave this to us ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Since the summer, our friend Debbie, who is in PR over at ID, has been like, you guys are going to fucking love fruitcake fraud. Since July. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I got to tell you, Debbie, you weren't wrong, girl. You weren't wrong. What Dom Perignon is to champagne, Collins Street Bakery is to fruitcake. We've been making fruitcakes now for the past 125 years. Collins Street Bakery is about a $30 million a year business in terms of total sales. They make good bank off of fruitcake. There was a few years they didn't understand why the bakery wasn't making money. We knew something was wrong. Certainly nothing bad on this scale had ever happened at the bakery before. When everything came to light, we were all standing there stunned. A very significant crime has occurred. There is a lot of money at stake. A whole lot of stealing. The numbers were continuing to build. And we're starting to think, when is this number going to end? It can't be that much money, but it was. I'm like, holy guacamole, this this is a big case. Before we get into this, I just got to say, they say the word fruitcake in this documentary about 8,000 times with literally no irony. And yet I feel like as a human fruitcake, I don't think I'd be super welcome in this town. Well, there is the term fruitcake fairy. Again, we'll get to it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
the coming up on is is beyond intense. I'm like, we're talking about fruitcake, right? I like, know. What's I know. going on here? Because the first thing we see in this coming up on is a guy that we're going to get to know really well. He's eating a piece of the fruitcake, and we hear the chewing. And oh. I don't know if you know how much I fucking hate the sound of people chewing. Maybe because I hate it as much, or if not more, than you. It makes me crazy. <laughs> Uh, it's magnificent. Mm, magnificent. <laughs> magnificent. You know what's magnificent? Chewing in a much quieter way. You know what though? Also, there's a song in the coming up uh, in the coming up on the town Corsicana. They're singing about it being a fruitcake town. <laughs> Come on. Collins Street fruitcake is the best. North, south, east, and west. So grab a tin and come on down. Corsicana, Texas. Fruitcake town. This is all very gay so far. It's all very gay. But like they don't know how gay it is, which kind of makes it more fun (laughs) for us. They say what Dom Perignon is to champagne, the Collins Street Bakery is to fruitcake. It's just like a lot. It goes on for 10 minutes. This doc, I'm going to say it, it could have been 45 minutes. Easy. It's just, it's a lot of like building up to the fraud and then five minutes of the fraud and then a down, like we're a downhill with the fraud. It's like we could have. We do meet some awesome people though. Some ladies I would for sure like to have some cocktails with. Well, the first person we meet is Scotty, Lisa's dog. Scotty is sneezing. Scotty has his own lower third. Scotty's adorable. Lisa scoots him right over. They share a chair. And Lisa, if I may, is a hoot and a half. She is a hoot and a half. It's like 9 a.m. if it's a minute. And she's like saying to the crew, Can I offer you all a refreshment? I have Coors beer. I have pink mum champagne. I have white wine. I have red wine. Oh, I've got some pomegranate vodka. I am for sure moving in with Lisa. She definitely wants to day drink, but she does not want to day drink alone. But she cannot believe that no one on the crew is jumping at the offer of a pomegranate martini because we <laughs> clearly know. were. I would have been like, is it only 1045 in the morning? Hey, Lisa, I'll totally take you up on that girl. Because she does like a like a hand gesture. She's like, hello. Also, Lisa's a hoot and a half until I get really mad at her a little bit later. Yeah, of course, of course. But, you know, Lisa moved to this town for high school. She says most people in this town go back generations. It's very traditional. And she says, good or bad we like tradition and I said look I feel like when I do eventually move in with Lisa there's gonna have to be a lot of things we're just gonna agree not to talk about oh yeah 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 you know yeah and like if if, if she wants to watch the news she'll watch it in private on her channel ahem wink wink (laughs) I think we all know what channel that is okay but wait then we meet Peggy Harvey oh my god okay Peggy is a nervous wreck she's like oh I'm moving I shouldn't be moving I should stay where you told me to be I'll move up again. Oh, I'm moving. I shouldn't be moving. I'm just going to stay put. You know what? I'm just going to move one more time. I'm so sorry. She doesn't know where to sit. She doesn't know what she's allowed to say. She's got to take some deep breaths, and I love her. She also reminds me of every grumpy old lesbian that my mom was best friends with. My mom knows every grumpy lesbian on Cape Cod, and Peggy reminds me of all of them. Oh. I love Peggy, but she's a little bit of a wet blanket. We'll come back. Also, Peggy, we don't really know why she's here until the end. It was a big reveal. I was shocked. Yeah, it just says Peggy Corsicana resident, and I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And like Lisa, like Lisa's a Corsicana <laughs> resident. They're just yeah. like the townspeople. Yeah. And then we learn like it's old money, like it's oil money and old yeah. money. Like Jesus, it's a boom town. It's high society. And Lisa tells us about those super fancy pants book clubs, but they call them literary clubs. There's lots of different social groups. There's supper clubs and things like that. We have the country club. Literary clubs and things that are fun. You have to be asked and voted in. There's 
A couple of ladies in town that I know have been put up three times and they didn't get in. So there are people who try to get into these book clubs like three times and they keep getting rejected. But gosh darn it, they're going to try again. This book club situation, Lisa brings it up 47 times. She's so proud to be in this book club. Like, And she slips it in. Like later on, she mentions it. She's like, of which I am a member. Because not everyone in Corsicana gets to be, girl. Right, like Janet, reporter Janet from the Corsicana right. Daily Sun. She yeah. hates Lisa. I don't know what happened between them, but they had a massive falling out. Because uh-huh. Janet's like, I'm not part of the exclusive book club. Oh, my shame. <laughs> Ooh, I'm not in the exclusive book club. Oh, what a right. shame. <laughs> Janet. Janet, did you try to get the book club and they wouldn't let you in? Which I think is ridiculous. Don't gatekeep books. Just let people read the books. <laughs> so stupid. You have to apply to read a book. Just sit and read the book. You have to apply and then you have to be voted in. I and mean, then you have to oh like my- pay your dues. Like get a fucking library card. <laughs> That's so dumb. (laughs) Gatekeeping books. Welcome to Corsicana, Texas. So reporter Janet goes on to tell us that currently probably most of the money in town comes from agriculture, manufacturing, that kind of thing. And fruitcakes. Dot, dot, dot. And fruitcakes. I don't think they're talking about the homosexuals at the hair salon or the makeup counter. It's wild that no one makes a single joke about it. It's weird. It's like, it's it makes it uncomfortable. Just make yes. one joke. One. Like one person should make one joke or a little wink or a little yes. nudge. And the fact that they don't makes it more uncomfortable than I if know. they did. I know. Right? Just say it. You're thinking it. It's okay. Just, Peggy, make a little, just say, oh, fruitcake. Oh, my nephew's a fruitcake or whatever. <laughs> A little acknowledgement goes a long way. Oh, my God. A hundred percent. Right. So now we meet Bob McNutt. He was one who was very rudely chewing into the microphone earlier on. Well, Bob's the president and CEO of the bakery, okay? This is his third generation. This is a family business. How dare you? (laughs) He says he started here when he was three years old. What? I know. He's making a joke because it's a family (laughs) thing. And all of our friends here, he's the nicest, greatest person on earth. He's as nice a man I think I've ever known. Probably the most genuine man that you'll ever meet, besides my husband. She really likes Bob, but she likes her husband better. Well, you know who wants us to know that most of all? Her husband. Totally. Her husband made her make that clear. Lisa, I believe you. I don't think you have the hots for Bob McNutt. No. Another joke that just Bob McNutt and they make fruitcakes? Like, they're nuts in fruitcakes? Like, is that why they got into the business? I'd love to know. Right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, now we meet Hayden Crawford. He's the vice president and partner of Collins Street Bakery's customer service, to which I said, that sounds like a fucking terrible job. He loves every second of it. He loves it so much. (laughs) People calling to like complain about their deliveries not being on time and shit. I know. Hayden's got to deal with that. Their busy season is, of course, the holidays. During the fall, when people begin to think of the holidays and they start ordering from us, the demand goes through the roof. We go from 10, 20 cakes a week to 10, 20,000 cakes a day. Then we get like more and more about how they're super famous and it's all about fruitcake for the holidays. People are eating the fruitcake. They're singing about the fruitcake. We get it. But Hayden wants to read. He's like, if I may, came prepared, Uh pulls a little piece of paper out of his pocket. He'd love to read some of the celebrity customers. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Priceless. Do the rundown, GP. He goes, Grace Kelly. 
actress. Thank you so much. And then he goes. She later became Princess Grace of Monaco, Princess Caroline, Grace Kelly's daughter, Chuck Norris, actor, Walker, Texas Ranger. To which I say, boo, Chuck Norris is, like, is super garbage. Yeah. Robert Urich, actor, Dom DeLuise, Dr. J, <laughs> basketball legend. Lyle Lovett, musician, Vanna White, TV personality, and a fun story there. Uh, my sister is married to her brother. Coincidentally, funny story, their in-laws, Hayden and Vanna are in-laws. John Ringling, as in the circus, also boo. But they say that, like, Ringling Brothers is why they're world famous because oh John God. Ringling, like, brought them overseas. And also, last but certainly not least. Oh, yeah. Here's another thing. You can see it in The Godfather. There's our 10 right there in the corner. Come on. That is fucking cool. It's awesome. Yeah. That is really fucking cool. Grace Kelly, actress. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'm going to get mad now, though. Oh, now you're going to get mad? <laughs> For the first time ever. Because now, so Bob McNutt says to us, I know. The pleasure you take in saying his name is my new favorite thing. Bob McNutt. Hey, Bob McNutt, OV. Got your fruitcake ready, pal. Bob says with a straight face, and he means this sincerely. Fruitcake kind of came under assault starting with Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson did one bit yeah. one time 80 years ago where yes. he and Ed McMahon were just like, nobody eats them. You keep it for a long time. You, you put it up in the closet somewhere, yeah. and then you wait till next Christmas and you to somebody else. This late night comedy yes. bit hit, like really hit them hard. And also, I'm going to say, soapbox, please. There's no assault on fruitcake like there's not a war on Christmas, okay? No one's taking Christmas away from anybody. They're asking you to open up your eyes and realize that there are other holidays and traditions out there. No one's taking Christmas away from you. Say happy holidays and shut up. And also, all you fruitcake people, laugh all the way to the bank. Why are you taking this so seriously? Johnny Carson said one thing one time a thousand years ago. There's no assault on fruitcake. Do you remember when the movie Sideways, like, bankrupted the Merlot business? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. If they want to drink Merlot, we're drinking Merlot. No, if anybody orders Merlot, I'm leaving. I am not drinking any fucking Merlot. But that was a whole movie. So point taken, girl. Yeah. But like, they can't let it go. Like, I'm just like, Bob, laugh all the way to the bank. You could be a zillionaire because he says, he goes, look. Johnny's gone, but we're, we're still here. So I think we know who won that one. Bob. <laughs> I thought you were the nicest guy in town, Bob. You're going to make fun of Johnny Carson for fucking dying? Fuck that guy. I'm like, there are plenty of issues to have with Johnny Carson. Hands down. He, there's not an assault on a fruitcake. They did a bit. It's a comedy show. Is this hitting a little close to home? Maybe. And I'm like, there's a fraud here somewhere, right? It's called fruitcake fraud. Because all we hear about is like a fruitcake and it's so amazing to work there and how they make the fruitcake. And I'm like, is there a fraud? Like how, how long till the fraud? Wait, I have a question. My next note is we meet Mary Grimmett, VP of operations. Is that right? Jerry. Okay. <laughs> Since 1956. Yeah. I was like, Mary Grimmett? That's quite a name. Jerry Grimmett. I'm all thumbs on the keyboard, Pensavali. Yeah, the J is right above the M. Right. I see it. I'm looking at it. It's all right. It happens all the time. And so he tells us they sell 1.5 million pounds of fruitcake per year. And I'm like, cool. Like, I get it. I, I don't need all the stats, but I totally understand. It's a $30 million annual business, girl. $30 million in fucking fruitcake. Right. Until it was it okay because right. then there were like a few years where the bakery wasn't making anything near what they were used to so they'd sell the same one million cakes a year or whatever but not see the numbers and the money and they're like what's going on something's not right here so 
here's the thing. Hayden, my friend Hayden, is like... We'd start the year and we would think, okay, we're going to make one to two million uh, this year. At the end of the year, we'd look back and realize we hadn't we hadn't made it. And then at the end of the year, we'd look back and wonder why we didn't make that. And I was like, I feel like we're missing a couple steps in between here. Like, I'm no accountant, but shouldn't somebody have noticed before the end of the year that you're not making the sales you thought you were making? Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Right. <laughs> it's a fraud after all. We are all following the plot. Okay, good. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, we'll get there. We'll get there. So Darlene Johnston, VP of marketing since 1982, she was the one who was like, I'm telling you something isn't right here. We really got to look into this. And they really make Wait, a can I say to- one thing about Darlene? Yeah. She makes a lot of this about her throughout. Like people are like, oh, the, the town was losing tax revenue. The business was losing money. People weren't getting raises. Every time it cuts to Darlene, she's like, I felt very betrayed. My feelings were really hurt. I was I was really sad at what was happening to my life. Darlene. It's a lot about everyone's feelings a lot of the time <laughs> in this. Let me tell you though, later I'm gonna get super pit. They did something horrible to Darlene, and I will I they- am never gonna let it go. Oh my god, really? Because I yes. was kind of like Darlene, this isn't it's not a feelings factory about Darlene this week, okay? It's a fruit, it's a fruitcake factory, Jillian. It is a fruitcake factory. God damn it, that's a new bar. We are in too many businesses. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, you and I are ordering up. We are the second we retire from this, which is 10 years after our death, yeah. we are opening Fruitcake Factory Gay Bar in Heaven. You know what that also is, though? It's another premise for a Hallmark Christmas movie. The Fruitcake yes. Factory. They go into Colorado. Yes. They want to make a oh. nice little bar where it's Christmas all year round and all the gays totally. can go in the Fruitcake Factory. Yeah. Oh, I want it to be real. <laughs> so they really want us to know that Darlene was so good at her job. Yeah. I know. No one's going to believe it. Yeah. But they made her an executive and she's a woman. <laughs> Can you stand it? She was so good that she became the first uh, female executive at Kyle Street Bakery. Literally proving the point that the women have to work 800 times as hard as men to get the same opportunities. Even today, the men are like, she was good at her job. Like, it was crazy. Like, she's like a woman. Like, it was nuts. Like, we couldn't believe it either. And so, like, so Randy Wilson is on Team Darlene. She's a former office manager. She's like, I thought that something was going on, too. But no one had any idea what was happening. So they start just sort of, like, throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks. So their first idea is to cut advertising costs. Yeah. And they're like, nope, that wasn't it. They say maybe it was a computer glitch. Wasn't that? Uh, Wait, a computer glitch was just, like, taking money? Right. (laughs) What is this, office space? (laughs) So, like, and then it's just like, was it in the process? Like, were they wasting ingredients? Like, that's all. Also not the problem. And then they ask this guy, his name is Sandy Jenkins, and they just call him the controller. Like yeah. he knows everything about the numbers. So they just call him over and they're like, hey, Sandy, can you just look into the numbers? Like we've tried everything. I don't know why they yeah. go to Sandy first if he is like all knowing what the numbers, but let yeah, let's cut costs or whatever. Anyway, but <laughs> Sandy's like, you know, I got nothing. And they're like, cool. Thanks a lot, Sandy. So they stop giving out raises. They're laying yeah. people off. Like people are losing their jobs. And this is going on for years. So we meet this woman, Symmetric, and she's fucking badass. She really is like the hero of this whole story. She had just been brought into the accounting office, so she works under Sandy. And everyone's like, all company email, everybody who has an invoice that has ever happened, give all your shit to Symmetric. We're sending her to the conference room. She's going to figure this out. Because not only is she good at her job and not in that way where it's like, can you believe she's a woman? But she's also fresh (laughs) eyes. So she's new there. So they're like, all right, well, maybe we're just missing something and let's get this new employee in here to really get to the bottom of it. And in four seconds, she's like, oh, God, I found something right here. Of course, I did my due diligence trying to go through the system 
and I stumbled across a transaction that was on the bank statement that wasn't in our system. She finds what she says, a transaction that was on the bank statement, but not in the system. And Symmetric is beside herself. She's like, I was super young. I was really new. I didn't really have any friends. And she kind of was like, now I'm finding something that could actually be a big deal. And she just felt like she didn't know what to do with it. And she's the only one who knows this stuff. So she finds a $10,000 check written out to Capital One Bank. The bakery doesn't have a relationship with Capital One. So that's how she knows that this is all like fucked up. And it's a major red flag. Like, just think about that for a second. She's like, oh, here's a check from Capital One. Super weird because we don't do business with Capital One. Like, that's a major red flag. And so she's like, I have to get Sandy involved, that controller guy. He's my boss. And it was at this moment that I'm like, why haven't we met Sandy yet? Like, we met the fucking office manager, but we haven't met Sandy yet. Right. And so Symmetric's doing the right thing. And Sandy yeah. goes, oh my God, you know what? I know exactly what that is. That's a glitch. Don't worry about it. Don't ever think about it. Don't even tell anyone. It's so meaningless. Don't <laughs> right. even worry. Actually, Symmetric, God, I'd love to stop and chat. I gotta go to a doctor's appointment. It's an emergency. I'm having a heart attack. I simply must be going. And Symmetric <laughs> sees right through this. She's like, I have a great sense of discernment. I can, you know, look at someone and they, I can tell when they're not being truthful with me. Just by his reaction, I knew that I needed to look deeper. And she decided to do her own investigating. So reporter Janet's like, so Symmetric sat down at her desk and quietly did her own investigation. It's like day three of the job for Symmetric. She's really like putting herself out there for this. Yeah. And she just keeps finding things that don't make any sense. And the more she finds, the more she investigates. And the more she investigates, the more she finds. What she's doing is she's following the money. That will always get you to the truth. If you follow the money, see where it goes. It will lead you to the truth always. We've learned this. So, like, she's finding all these checks. She finds 16 checks that don't make any sense. And, like, the more she digs, the more, like, the money is amassing. The amount of money she's seeing that, like, existed one place but not somewhere else. It goes from $3 to $7 to $12 This fucking guy, Sandy, was ultimately able to embezzle $16 million from a fruitcake company. A fruitcake factory. (laughs) Wait, the real number is... $16,766,045.70. How specific? You guys, that was 888 checks that he wrote. 888 checks that this guy wrote. And like, we'll learn later in case we don't get to it. He was the only one running the books. They never got audited from an outside business. So he was able to remember like, what was the one with that lady with the cucumbers over her eyes? All the Queen's horses. All the Queen's horses. Remember Rita? Where did that come from? Oh my God. (laughs) I was having a bad day and I just felt... I was so impressed with my brain and what she could do. Fuck yeah, girl. That was awesome. Where did I pull that from? That's amazing. I feel good about myself now. Good. And you look fabulous today. (laughs) Thank you. But I was like, all the queen's horses of it all were like, you're the only one running the books. Who thought that was a good idea? So, and like, again, these numbers, I feel like we're going through them super fast. 888 checks. So from 2005 to 2013, Sandy Jenkins was using this bakery to pay his own bills. And we're not talking talking about like the cell phone bill we're talking yeah. about like the Lamborghini bill the thing about Symmetric remember we said when she realized this she like burst into tears at her desk I love her for a million reasons but one of them is because in this moment she just comes right out and says it yep. she's like I am terrified at that point here I am a person of the black American race and I have just identified that a person of another race was taking something that didn't belong to them 
She's terrified. She's this young black woman. He's this like, quote, powerful, older white man. And like, she's the only one who knows what he's done. Is anyone going to believe her? And what's going to happen? It was a very raw and vulnerable moment. And I love that she said it. And I'm also thinking, can I just say something? Thanks for listening to the black woman in the room for once. Yeah. Fruitcake is a good start, but black women have a lot more to say. So thank you for listening to Symmetric in this moment. She's the hero. We would not be here if not for Symmetric. But like, how did these people from 2005 to 2013 just let this go? We'll get into it later. And I'm st- I am don't have a lot of patience for it, Patrick. I'm going to be very honest with you. Well, part of it is that this guy, Sandy, everyone is telling us he was super under the radar, super unassuming, quiet and soft-spoken, not the kind of guy you would ever think would have the fucking balls to steal $17 million. What do you do with $17 million? Where do you, what do you even spend that on? Uh, well, someone keeps a ledger, so we actually right. know exactly. <laughs> but like, here's the thing. He was, Sandy was super unassuming until he'd stop into your office a few times a year with a nice bottle of wine or sports ball tickets or some other gift. This is all on purpose. It's all choreographed. He wanted to be the last person you'd ever expect. He was under the radar, always did his job. And the only time you think of him, thanks for that great bottle of wine. Thanks for those tickets. It's all on purpose. The thing is too, though, he also like, the only way you get away with a fraud like this is by fucking squirreling the money away and never spending it. And he can't help himself. So like, that's the thing. Like, cause I keep saying, what's the point? Why would you ever want to like break the law like this if you can't have the fucking Lamborghini? You know what I mean? This is a compulsion for Sandy and his wife. We'll get to it later. But Darlene is like, he had us all fooled. All of you, except Randy, the office manager, because she's like, I want it on the record. The truth is, the first time I met him, I had a feeling that something was off. But everybody said, no, he's great. He sits back here with us. He's wonderful. He's one of the guys. And I thought, well, I'm probably wrong. I never liked him. I told everybody. Everyone told me how wrong I was. And guess who's laughing now? And I got to tell you, I've been Randy more times than I can count. I get a weird vibe. Or I just just don't like someone. And everyone tells me I'm wrong. And then disaster strikes. And I was right all along. And, And if I may, there are some people that I'm still waiting on everyone else to get with it. Okay? But you'll get there in time. I mean, I know who you're talking about. I would say most people are there. So <laughs> I have a long list, girl, that you don't even know about. <laughs> Am I on? This is the, the the dreaded list. I'm afraid I'm always on. You would know. Okay. <laughs> so Sandy's immediately fired, but yeah. they're not subtle about this. They have a cop there just in case. And they tell Sandy, like, Sandy, you've been stealing millions and millions of dollars. We're so, so sorry, but we must fire you. It's the nicest, most, like, privileged white dude firing I've ever heard of in my life. They said, we're not going to embarrass you. We'll let you walk out of the building. Or we'll have a policeman down there. He's not going to let you back in. We'll ship your stuff back to your house, but you're fired. They literally say, we're not going to embarrass you. We're going to let you walk out of the building, but there's going to be a co- Imagine if this was like the good old boyness of it all. You know what I, know. I mean? I know. And they're like, you know what? We're, we'll mail you your belongings. It's okay. Right. Because like the thing is like no one's gotten a raise in five fucking years. They say like all of this money, like how the community has suffered in the lack of taxes that were paid by this company. And they know all of this. Like they were afraid the company after 180 years was going to close. They've got the guy who did it right in front of them and they don't want to embarrass him. And they also didn't consider symmetric in this moment because right. I don't know how much they told Sandy about how they found out about this or anything and symmetric tells us like yeah. throughout this at least when they worked together she could see him but now she's like walking around Corsicana wondering like he knows everything like is he gonna jump out of the shadows and like get her because they say the company gathers all of their evidence and they take it to the cops and they're like well that's not enough evidence to make an arrest you guys need to do an audit we need to do an audit of his personal finances and then he bails he like bails out of town and that's what Symmetric is like,
like he disappears. I mean, I was a little terrified when I heard about that, and I would live my life sometimes looking over my shoulder, seeing people, you know, driving and making sure no one's following me. Like you said, she's terrified he's gonna jump out of the bushes at her. And now we just get another like round robin of townspeople because now like the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows what he did, and everyone's mad and everyone's upset because it was going on for like eight years or whatever it is. Tons of people lost their jobs. The fruitcake industry is in peril. Everyone's upset, and Lisa says everybody was all in an uproar. It was the biggest horribles. Like in that movie, it was the terrible awful that had happened in Corsicana. It was the terrible awful. You know what happened in that movie? You know what she's talking about? I had to Google this. What is it? She's talking about that movie, The Help, which is problematic on many levels. God. But the poop pie. Oh, God. That was like the terrible awful in that story. Like, leave it to Lisa to reference The Help, like Lisa. (laughs) Right? You know what I mean? I know. She's got pomegranate martinis for breakfast. She can't be good at everything, Jillian. Look, again, I'm not going to say no to the pomegranate martinis. But then we meet Brad and Janet Tekel. Wait, Brad and Janet from Rocky Horror. Brad and Janet. I know. I said, are their names really Brad and Janet? That cannot be true. You know who like really is super lost with that reference? Brad and Janet. They are not Rocky Horror people. No. (laughs) They've never met a fruitcake in their life and they've never seen Rocky Horror at midnight in Harvard Square. And the thing is, they're like non-fruitcake related friends because they met Sandy and his wife Kay at church. And Sandy and Kay were cooks at the church. And so they do all these like, you know, they do some of the senior activities. And I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. That's a very nice thing to do. They cater the senior parties. That's so nice. But they're also super social climbery. Like, that's what they're saying. Like, they started as cooks, and then, like, Sandy gets a job working at the fruitcake factory as a cook, and they're, like, they start dropping friends as soon as they can move up the next social, like, rung. So, like, Brad and Janet were, like, they were really fun while they lasted, but, like, Kay, the wife especially, when she was fucking done with you, she lost your fucking phone number, and don't you look at her in the grocery store. If you think you know her, she doesn't fucking know you. Yeah, at first I was like, can we not blame the woman? Oh, wait, no, Kay sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was super protective at first and I was like yeah of course like the woman's at fault and like Sandy did a lot here but yo Kay is like not a nice or good person so Sandy was fired. He knows why. He bailed. Symmetrix looking over her shoulder. And the cops say that they no longer have, quote, the element of surprise. But you know what? Sandy wasn't that smart because he was using online bank accounts and the U.S. Postal Service. Right. We've been through this a thousand times. Don't you fuck with the Postal Service. <laughs> I stood up and screamed because I was like, he committed mail fraud. That's worse than murder in most states. You get more time for mail fraud. Right. There's like a digital trail with all of the bank accounts. And then he's sending stolen money across state lines via the Postal Service. That makes it a federal offense, baby. (laughs) Let's call in the FBI, shall we? Oh, my God, you guys. We meet special agent Christine Edison. We call her Christy of the FBI. Her fucking dad liked fruitcake from the Collins Street Bakery, so this is fucking personal for Christy. She asked for this case. She begged for it. And let me tell you, she stops traffic down in Corsicana, Texas. They (laughs) were starstruck by her. They were like... She was the classic TV FBI agent. Pretty girl. Big 45 on her hip, just as cool and calm as she could be. When she left, everybody's like, was she, wasn't she on television? And the fact that she had a gun on her hip, the boners in that town. I know, like Texas boners. And so <laughs> Christine, she was a new agent. She was only there for like a year, but she was the lead on this case. And so yeah. people in town, as Janet, the reporter says, not Janet of Brad and Janet, reporter Janet, reporter right. Janet's like, 
It was $17 million and it was fruitcake money. So yeah, we were a little interested. <laughs> Janet wants us all to know that like she broke all the stories. She was the first on the scene because people were like driving by their house. Yes, they were so mad. They would drive by Sandy and Kay's gorgeous fucking Victorian house and like scream things out the window. You know it was Lisa. You know she's like two pomegranate martinis in at 9 a.m. She's like, you know what? And another thing, she gets in her car. Right. Well, and this is where we really dive into like the social climbingness of it all. Yeah. Lisa really wants us to know that. I only knew Kay through the old Quintillion book club that I'm a member of. And she was the treasurer. Of which I am a member. Yeah. And Kay was the treasurer. Right. And so and just like... read the book. I can't believe it. It's a book club. Read the book. It's to see and be seen, Jillian. It's not oh, right. about. You I know. know who am I like... kidding? I'm acting like these people want to read. They're reading The Help every month. Like, give me a break. Can you imagine being a fly on the wall during the discussion of the book The Help? Can you imagine? Thank God for that white lady who came in and saved all those black women. <laughs> what would we but do without has... the white saviors of the world? I wonder. <laughs> Lisa tells us that they would have a wine and cheese party every year. And for two years in a row, Kay donated all the wine. And it's for over 200 people. And do you know how much Camus Lisa can drink at a party? I mean, she's like, it lasts me through like three whole weekends. Thanks, Kay. And Sandy would like call up Lisa because Lisa is the queen bee here. No question. Yeah. And Sandy yes. would call up Lisa and be like, I'm just curious. How much money does it take to be like high up in the social scene in this town. He was actually right. asking like, how rich does one have to be to be considered fancy? Which is just like, what's the name of this town again? Corsicana. Okay. <laughs> Fruitcake, <laughs> capital of the world, Corsicana, Texas. <laughs> So we're back with FBI Christine, and she's like, here's the deal, you guys. We know they stole $17 million. Turns out they spent a lot of that money on jewelry. And basically everything that they bought was for Kay, essentially. Yes. But the yeah. thing is, they weren't just buying jewelry. They were having people come down from Dallas with briefcases chained to their arms to show Kay more jewelry to pick out. What? He'd do this at work. So it's getting very like, and how did no one catch on what was I'm happening? Right. Because the guy with the briefcase well, handcuffed to his arm would go into Sandy office right. when he was doing a great job and like open the briefcase and he'd be like I'll take the top four and they're each oh 30 grand a piece and then Symmetric says one time he wanted me to put a watch in the safe and of course I mean I'm nosy I went online and I googled the watch and I remember like sending my sister a text saying I just put a watch in the safe for my boss and it was $80,000. She calls her sister to tell her that she just handled an $80,000 watch. At work. Like, what's going on? <laughs> this is a compulsion. They're buying multiple houses, cars, Jaguars, Lexus, Mercedes. Christy's like, oh, here's a funny joke I heard uh, on the job. They bought cars <laughs> as often as people get oil changes. Is that funny? Right. Is that a good joke? <laughs> remember the 7-5 where the cops were making so much money on the dirty that they were forgetting to cash their own paycheck? <laughs> That's Sandy and Kay. They would buy private jets every weekend. They'd fly yes. to Austin for lunch, eight yes. grand for lunch. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They In the 10 years that they were running this scam, they flew 223 times on private jets to the tune of $3.2 million on private jets. They had nicknames at Neiman Marcus. Lisa's like... And then we found out about their nicknames with Neiman Marcus. Fruitcake and... I think cupcake or something like that, yeah. Lisa's a little 
jealous she wasn't as rich as they were for those 10 years. Well, Neiman Marcus ran out of stuff to sell them, girl. Like, Symmetric was just saying, like, we'd be in the break room just assuming Sandy won the lottery. Like, they weren't right. hiding yes. it at all. They were inviting, like, Brad and Janet, like, hey, do you guys want to split a villa with us in Italy for the weekend? <laughs> no, your audience. Like, everyone works at either the fruitcake factory or, like, the church. No one has money for a villa. That's the thing. They're stealing all this money, but they're living like rich people, and they want people to know how much money they have. Mm-hmm. We learned that Sandy's salary at the fruitcake factory was $50,000 a year. This guy's taking private jets every weekend. And it's like, how about instead of firing people, you just ask Sandy a couple of fucking questions. The guy that runs the money, right. Right, like, I don't understand and they're all like, all right, Jillian, sorry but their answer is that, like, Sandy had an answer for everything, so, but he had a different answer depending on who he's talking to, so where did he get the private jets? One of his stories was he had an uncle who owned a lot of funeral homes. So he would just let Sandy use his private plane. And that was his story about how he had this plane. His story was, of course, that they had inherited this money. And we're going like, hmm, pretty good inheritance, I guess. He was like, oh, I inherited the money. Oh, also, I was an old-timey car investor. Oh, also, I sued my father-in-law for his trust fund. Oh, also, my dad had this collection of expensive watches, and I'm selling all that. It's like, pick a lie and go with it. These people, what's going on? This is where it cuts back to Darlene, and she's like, I felt very betrayed. Darlene! And it's this is where I'm like, I can't believe we spent the first 45 minutes people being like, I just, I can't, no one knew where the money was going. Sandy's making 50 grand a year and he's renting a private jet for his weekend villa in Italy. (laughs) Two plus two equals four. Like, enough. He's the guy who runs the money at the fruitcake factory. But ask him a question about it instead of firing people. Can you ask Sandy a fucking question? It's ridiculous. And Darlene, stop taking it so personally. It's not about you. And then, oh, then we have to meet a different Randy who's Sandy's childhood friend and go into this for another hour. Excuse me, but Randy's not really his friend. He was that person that uh, we're going to be nice to him because not only did the teacher say to my mother and say, Randy, Sandy doesn't have any friends and I expect y'all to be friends. He's like, look, Sandy was really different. He liked to dress up. He liked to wear fancy glasses. He was very, very different from everyone in our town because he didn't like sports. Yeah, he played the piano. <laughs> also, Randy, this Randy still needs his mother to tell him what to do because he says as much <laughs> later. Ran- like, I, Can like, you I- imagine me in this town just being the one-person drama club? Can we just do a fucking production of Godspell? I will do my one-man Godspell anywhere, Jillian. Like, can't we just do Bye Bye Birdie and get on with it? I don't get it. <laughs> and we learned, too, that Sandy's parents owned a grocery store and Helen Helen his mother was very outspoken and this was horrible like a woman with an opinion or whatever but Randy says and I I remember one of the women at my mother's beauty shop one time said Lord there comes Helen said let's go ahead and get all our talking in because we won't be able to talk when she gets here so they kind of laughed but Helen was that way and she had a lot to say and she wanted you to know about it I said fucking savage. (laughs) Savage. But Helen, you know, loves the finer things in life. She loved Neiman Marcus, which is, I guess, the Neiman Marcus connection. I'm like, Randy, are we blaming the mother for what the son did? Are we doing this, Randy? Is that what's happening? I know. But, like, they made a lot of money, you know? And it was like, somehow Sandy ended up, like, older and broke and as a cook at a fucking fruitcake factory. That wasn't going to do it, girl. But, like, for him, for everyone else, everyone is so happy with their lives. Like, even Lisa, like, rich-ass Lisa... 
is still yeah. in the same town and like friends with all these people. So this is all self-imposed by Sandy. Like he's mortified to be working at Fruitcake Factory, which is now the official name <laughs> of College Street Bakery. He's like, no one's going to accept me. Like this is so stupid. I'm sorry. Wait, quick question. Where does Lisa's money come from? Dead husbands? Oh, she's old old oil money. Oh, you, oh. Oh, it goes back generations. Like, even the furniture is like, you just like inherited that. Like, where she oh lives, God. you could tell that's like not. Can you, like, Lisa's house is so fancy and full of old shit. Can you imagine me in there for five minutes on like one pomegranate martini? Yeah, I have to imagine that Lisa's just so used to being rich that like she right. wouldn't mind if you get a ring stain on the crystal, whatever. Like, she seems like she's pretty lightened up about the whole thing. Do you think Lisa would like me? Oh, absolutely she would. <laughs> that's the first First time you've ever answered that question that in the affirmative. That is not true. <laughs> that is so not true. We're usually talking about like Jen Pusateri. Jen Pusateri would not like either of us. Usually the person would also not like me too. I don't think anyone ever likes me. I don't think you like me. So I don't really. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh my, you have to do 80% of the talking in this episode because I lost my voice for the 15th time this year. Look, well, I have a lot to say. And we have Lula Rich. Ooh, I'm fine. You don't have to say a word. <laughs> But wait, this section gives us one of the best moments because mm -hmm. Randy's mom really liked Sandy and to the point where all of this was happening and Randy was like, Mom, he stole all this money. Sandy had been giving fruitcakes to Randy's mom all these Christmases and Randy's mother is like, I don't think until uh, uh, my mother left this earth that she ever believed that her little fruitcake fairy was capable of doing something like that. She never believed that her little fruitcake fairy could be guilty of the crime. Says it with a straight face. I mean, what a missed opportunity. I just... I don't know. I think there's something in Sandy's past. He was voted most fashionable three years in a row in high school. I think there might be stuff we don't know about Sandy. Maybe. And like, I wish we knew more about it. Maybe if he talked about it, he wouldn't have such internalized craziness going on. You know what I mean? Right. I can very much see Sandy and Kay's marriage being one of convenience. Well, they do sleep in separate bedrooms. That's true. <gasps> I think we've uncovered something here, ID. Fruitcake fraud. Where's the real fruitcake fraud? Ooh, layers <laughs> upon layers. <laughs> So we meet some more people who are working with FBI, Christine. We meet Nick and Melissa and their uh, district attorneys. And so and frankly, they're, they're not very much fun. They're here just to give us the facts. Well, they're here because they want that money back. They're going to seize right. assets <laughs> and they're looking for evidence. So they start with the house. Like they bailed, right? Sandy and Kay yeah. bailed. They also didn't go to like Mexico or places where like they won't extradite. They went to their daughter's right. house like two right. counties away. <laughs> so they didn't use that private right. jet to like get the right. hell out of Dodge. They just drove across county lines. Right. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. So the FBI's like, they're not home. We have a warrant. Bye. So they like ransack the house. They're looking for oh anything of value. They find like a big jewelry safe, a wine and liquor collection, a grand piano, a cedar sauna, like a sauna inside the home. And the best part is we get Lisa being like, and if somebody was down there and something big was going on, they'd call around to you. you Got to get on down here and see what's going on. <laughs> There's activity at Sandy and Kay's house. Everyone get the fuck down here. <laughs> and reporter Jen. It is like yeah. my photographer just happened to be driving right. by the house, and I'm like, sure, Jan. It oh. like everyone, everyone was going down there. Just say yeah. that you wanted to be the first. Everyone was there. Lisa had started a phone tree. She called everybody. <laughs> Lisa was like the neighbor. Basically, turned the hose on us. They were so mad. Like we had nothing better to do. Lisa's like, it was the biggest entertainment in town. <laughs> Fuck you. You would have been right there. Like Lisa doesn't like any of the judgment about it. She's like, what no. else were we gonna do? Like this guy ruined 
so many lives. Like, yeah, I'm going to watch the <laughs> FBI take their stupid sofa out of the house. Like, absolutely I am. You guys remember that jewelry safe? The fucking FBI drills. Oh, safe. my God. In the safe, there was jewelry items that just looked like museum-type pieces. So it was really something to behold. <laughs> Sandy, you didn't take this shit with you? Like, in Kay's closet, they find shoes and handbags. They also find notebooks. And the notebooks are just a full fucking accounting of all the shit they bought and how much it costs with all the stolen money. When you're running to the car to drive two counties rather than getting on the private jet and going to Mexico, why aren't you taking this with you? Right, that should be in your go bag. <laughs> but also, the thing is, like, in the jewelry safe or whatever, it also looks like a display case from Neiman Marcus. And there yeah. were watches and bracelets missing. There were like 18 of them missing. It's just these empty slots or whatever. But leave the notebooks that have a full fucking accounting of everything you I'm not saying they did the right thing. I'm just saying it's right. wild. I'm like, that looks like we're inside Neiman Marcus. Oh, we're just in your home past your cedar sauna. So, right. so our like FBI team and the lawyers just out of the clear blue sky as they're just like salivating over this ledger, this notebook of the yeah. check stubs and the different amounts and all that, they get a phone call and they learn that this off-duty University oh of Texas God. police officer was on a hike with a friend and there's like <laughs> sitting by the lake and I'm like do you guys smooch it sounds like oh I was just like yeah. casual I, I don't know it doesn't matter it's right. not important <laughs> But they're like sitting there and they start, they're like, hmm, look at the glistening water in the lake. Oh no, wait, that's a $30,000 watch. Me and my friend were just enjoying the day. And as we were coming around here, she happened to see a watch laying at the water's edge. As you kept walking every five, 10 feet, there was another item sitting at the water's edge. And it was more of a, like an Easter egg hunt, of course. So all of the <laughs> items that were missing from the Neiman Marcus like safe, yes. they find watches and bracelets just like yeah. perfectly placed. They didn't even throw them. Like they didn't I even know. have the energy to throw them. The FBI comes all the way down there. <laughs> they find 16 watches, all worth 30 grand and above. But then they send divers into the lake and they find enough to total 38. Whatever 16 plus whatever equals 38. They find a gold bar. Like, Sandy and Kay just went to the lake and went, like, bananas. They find two gold bars, like, several gold coins. Yeah. And Brad of Brad and Janet is like, why would yeah. you dispose of that in such a manner? I can't handle it. You guys, just bury it. I understand that that's a lot more work. But, like, what are you doing? But this is what I mean when I say it's a compulsion. They're buying it because they can. They're buying it because it makes them feel good. Yeah. It, like, it doesn't mean anything because they're just throwing it in the lake. So they're right. buying it because of what that means to be like cha-ching, like signing the uh -huh. credit card. That feeds them more than actually having the gold bars and the watches and uh -huh, the bracelets. Uh -huh. It needs totally. to be discussed. It's bananas and no one's talking right. about it. <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, all right, we got to arrest this guy soon. Like they get us. <laughs> so they get you guys. You cannot make this up. They've like escaped into the night, thrown all their shit in the lake. Christy, the FBI agent, gets a second warrant. And she's like, I know no one's going to be there because no one was there last time. But they go and they knock on the door. We knocked on the door to to announce our presence. And it just so happened that Sandy was there that day. So he came out very quickly. <laughs> Your house has been so clearly <laughs> ransacked by the FBI. Like, why are you actually going back to this other scene? I don't understand it. Like, the FBI, we've learned, like, they don't tidy up after themselves. They ransacked right. your house. Why are you staying there? I love that FBI Christy was like, uh, so he opened the door, so we 
arrested him? There are a lot of things <laughs> that FBI Christine says that she can barely say with a straight face. She it's can't true. believe it. It's true. <laughs> and I mean that it's like true. I'm on her side with it. She's like, he was home. <laughs> like he was in his house. <laughs> so Sandy's arrested in 2013, seven weeks after Symmetric uncovered this whole scheme. Yeah. Kay Jenkins, his wife, is not charged and she's allowed to live in the house. And right. Kay <laughs> is like, I don't have to deal with my dumbass husband anymore. Right. She calls the fancy book club and she's like, I just want hey Lisa hey girl I just want to know where to send my membership check and Lisa's like no bitch like hell no no way and then Kay and Sandy get divorced and then they finally turn the electricity off in their house and she's got to go back to Austin and move in with their kids because Kay divorces Sandy basically to save her own ass and this is the yeah. beginning of Kay's campaign of I knew nothing I had no idea because the FBI is like it's like Nixon it's like what did Kay know and when did she know it yeah. and she's like I didn't know anything and I've never known anything but Symmetric right. says she may not have wrote the checks but she was glad to spend the money. Yeah, she didn't write the checks, but she was happy to spend all that money. And that's exactly right. So then we meet this guy, Brett Stalcup, who's Sandy's lawyer. And he's okay. like... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I gotta Brett say one thing it. about Brett, though. Because he's like, you know, he came in, he told me what he was accused of, and I said, I'm like, holy guacamole, this is gonna be, this is a big case. Brett, that is the way to get yourself into the trailer, girl. You did it. You, you did it. it. <laughs> this is one of those guys, those like Southern people, they talk in riddles where it's like, don't uh -huh. sit on a pineapple and tell me it's raining or something. Right. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, the pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. That's... That's the motto we live by. He's like, pigs get fat and the hogs get slaughtered. And I'm like, okay, why are you giving me this horrible visual? What's the point? The whole thing is Sandy doesn't want to fight anything, right? Like he just wants to be done with it. He wants to give the money back or apologize. So Sandy realizes immediately that it's over. The party's over. He needs to cooperate. And they say like he was very troubled. Like I think he what he did was totally yeah. garbage, but he was very like solemn. And it does feel like he there was something happening to him almost that was making him do all this. Was it Kay? Was it a mental health break? I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And this is where Christy from the FBI tells us like he got away with this for so long because he was the only one checking the money. He was the one running the books. They never were audited from outside. No one else was ever even looking at the books. And then he had to keep up the lifestyle to which he's become accustomed. So right, he couldn't just exactly. stop. Then the cars would be over and all this stuff. So this is when Christina sort of laughs in spite of herself because she asks him, she's like, Sandy, I gotta ask you, right. why did you throw <laughs> throw 38 watches and bracelets into the lake with the two gold bars. Like, what was that all about with the lake? And he's like, honestly, Christy? And he said, I don't know. It's probably the stupidest thing I've ever done. And then he said, well, maybe the second stupidest thing I've ever done. Oh, well, no. Second stupidest thing I've ever done. And she laughs. I can imagine sitting there being like, this guy's just owning up to all of it. And like, there is no rhyme or reason to why he threw it in the lake. He just like lost himself, you know? Yeah. And this is when FBI Christine is like, Symmetric is the real hero. Like I investigated, but I only investigated based on what she brought me. So she's uh -huh. the real hero here. And then Lisa gets so condescending and she calls Symmetric a very smart little girl like I three know. times. And it makes me crazy. The young girl, she figured it out. The checks that were missing, the checks that were voided out but yet the money was all this she's the one that figured out one smart little girl and that's the thing she doesn't know she's saying the wrong thing you know what i mean she like, yeah. like she just doesn't even know she's saying the wrong stop thing. stop watching the help expand your horizons <laughs> so, so Kay's indicted and charged and sandy is but in the middle of all of this right the fbi needs to get the money back or the assets back right yes. so they they 
they're selling this house and we meet the real estate agent Denise Harper she <laughs> is fantastic at a party I'm just sure of it <laughs> and she's like look it was a great listing it was updated kitchen had that old charm and she goes there was a lot of interest just because of the you know the stuff that was going on so there were a lot of people that just wanted to look the buyer had come into town to meet their agent and put an offer on another house and was actually just driving down third saw the sign up one of the first days it was up and was like oh my gosh i've got to see that house and she put in an offer remember peggy from the beginning she didn't know where to yes. sit she was a nervous wreck the one that reminds me of all my mom's lesbian grumpy friends yeah her lower third is corsican a resident because she bought the house yeah. and she didn't know anything about the drama and i love peggy she's like i like to collect napkin rings with cats on it i like to collect a lot of things with cats on them and she loves her foyer her house has a foyer she, she loves, loves the foyer so much. She goes, it might be a waste of space, but I think it's cool to have a foyer. And I'm like, you know what, Peggy? I love you and your foyer. I love her. And eventually, like, they do this big estate sale and they ask all the oh people who we've been speaking to about, like, what would you do if you had $17 million lying around? And Peggy would just give it to all the cat rescues. Yeah, I'd be a lot more generous if I had an extra 17 mil. Those uh, cat places that they save cats would have gold floors. <laughs> Peggy, biggest heart in the world. I know. So Sandy gets 10 years in prison. Kay gets five years probation. Everyone thinks it's too light of a sentence for what he did and all like all the pain he caused and all the loss they suffered. And I'm like, am I a monster? Can you just hire those people back? I know it's been like 10 years and some of them, their lives were destroyed. But, yeah. you know, Kay had no remorse. And it just, it ends with like people saying if they're going to forgive Sandy or not. And Bob McNutt, who's the president and CEO, he says that he's had some interaction with Sandy. Sandy after all of this and Sandy's like reached out to him and really wanted to apologize and wrote this whole apology letter uh -huh. and then called him from prison and then like the music swells and we're back to the fruitcake and Bob is like I think there's a silver lining Bob McNutt he's like when this show airs people say wow you know I never heard something like that but they also say I wonder how can a fruitcake be that good maybe I need to order one Bob is a salesman <laughs> till the end. And I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever had fruitcake until today because of how perfect the timing was with Mike. Uh-huh. It's not bad. It's really not bad. <laughs> You guys, we did fruitcake fraud. How's that for an endorsement? It's really not bad. I don't know if Wait, that's what you wanted, Bob McNutt. So Mike just randomly bought that kind of fruitcake? So Mike loves the holiday season, and he loves desserts, and he loves holiday-centric desserts. So it's not uncommon uh, for him to come home with some kind of Christmassy, holiday-y dessert in November. And that's, I mean, I swear, I'll take a picture oh of it. Oh, my God. We have the tin. So and it's actually, funny. it's really not bad. It's pretty good. <laughs> I'm not going to start singing about it, and I'm going to chew no. with my mouth closed, but it's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> if you want more Jillian and me, join us at the Patreon. 300 full ad-free bonus episodes to download a binge right this second. We're about to record our first episode of Lula Rich. Oh my God, Ooh. I'm so excited. I'm not, I'm an MLM girl. I just feel like I am, girl. <laughs> I don't think you are. I think you say that now, but I don't think that's who you truly are and your soul and your heart of hearts, as my Oh my God. Say. You guys, it's also where you can hear our episode by episode coverage of Night Stalker, Serial Season 1, The Jinx, Lorena. Uh, the Gacy thing on Peacock, Heist. Don't have with cats, Tiger King, every long form series that's ever been done. We're doing it. If we haven't done it yet, it's on our list, I promise. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram, True Crime Obsessed Podcast. I'm Patrick Hines underscore. You're Jillian with a G and all the things. Yeah, that's right. And what are we doing next, you know? Oh, the dating game killer. 
Oh, this is the 2020, right? I believe, yes, yes. This is a, one of those very famous cases that I'm yeah. like, oh, am I just now learning about this? Oh, I no. know. So you guys, stay tuned for uh, the trailer for that, our hilarious and ridiculous outtakes. And we love you. We love you. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And, you know, enjoy fruitcake or whatever dessert you like. <laughs> love is love is love. <laughs> exactly. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Please welcome Rodney Alcala. Take one. It was one of the most famous dating shows ever. Looking back, it is chilling to realize that this iconic show would unknowingly feature a remorseless killer. The so-called dating game killer is one of the country's most notorious criminals, but one most people have never heard of. He had sociopathic personality traits. He had no shame. He walks up and down the streets and asks people if he could take their picture. What better place to be a sexual predator than to go to a feeding frenzy like New York? She'd been strangled with nylon stockings. It's the talk of the town. Rodney Alcala has murdered at least five women. The FBI put Rodney Alcala on the 10 most wanted list. Oh my God, will Alcala get away with it? The body count is piling up. He goes on the hunt for more victims, and there's absolutely nothing to stop him. And five, four, three, two, one. Becky just scared the living shit out of me. Hi, Becca. <laughs> She's not in here, but she like came to the door, and that's never happened before. Anyway, can That's continue. like our biggest fear. Computer guilt? Oh, computer glitch. They thought of... <laughs> What is that word you said? Computer. I'm like, computer glitch. My chubby fingers are really getting me this week, girl. And then they drop like 35 million a year. And I'm like, fruitcake, we're in the wrong business, girl. We, we, we're halfway there with you. Have we run that joke into the ground yet? No, not yet. They buy the watch or whatever and then shove it in Lisa's face and be like, this is a $32,000 watch, Lisa. So take your fucking book club and shove it. Melissa from the DA's office says he knew the gig was up. To which I said, Melissa, you're better than this. Yeah. You know it's jig. The you jig. know it's jig, Melissa. <laughs> How much pomegranate vodka does $17 million? Not enough, Lisa. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> 